Welcome back, fellow wanderers. In this episode of the Beginner's Guide to the Lord of the Rings, I'll be covering the origin story of the race of men and drawing some connections to the books and movies you may be familiar with. I'm following the chapter called Of Men in a book called The Silmarillion, written by J.R.R. Tolkien and published after his death by Ballantine Books in 1977. A link to purchase The Silmarillion is in the show notes for this episode. Thank you for helping this podcast reach a new milestone, over 3,000 downloads. If you like this episode, please leave a rating and review and share it with a friend, because who wants to wander Middle-earth alone? Welcome to the Beginner's Guide to the Lord of the Rings podcast. We explore the foundational, epic stories from the deep past of Middle-earth. If you enjoy J.R.R. Tolkien's books, or maybe Peter Jackson's movies, or perhaps you're excited for Amazon Studios' new series, The Rings of Power, and you want to dive deeper into the rich world of Middle-earth, then listen and subscribe. Lagovanian, fellow wanderers. Today's episode date is February 24. On this day in Middle-earth, in the Third Age, year 3019, the Fellowship is traveling south on the River Anduin, knowing that they will soon have to choose to turn east and approach Mordor from the north, or turn west and head for Minas Tirith. Gandalf, having died and been brought back to life, leaves Lothlorien. This is adapted from Today in Middle-earth History Calendar on the OneRing.net. Map check. As you may know, Tolkien's works are accompanied by beautiful maps, and whenever I read a good fantasy or adventure book, I'm regularly consulting the map as the story goes along. I hope this map check can help you get your bearings on the story. It is the first age of Middle-earth. The moon and sun have recently been created from the last fruit of the two trees of Valinor. The Noldor, a faction of elves, have returned from Valinor to Middle-earth on a quest to reclaim the stolen Silmarils. The Silmarils are wondrous jewels which contain the last remnant of the light from the two trees. The Silmarils were stolen by Morgoth, the Dark Lord, who has established an evil kingdom in the north of Middle-earth. Up until this point, the elves who believe that they and the dwarves whom they've encountered are the only beings who can speak, but this is about to change. If none of this makes sense, go back and listen to previous episodes of The Beginner's Guide. Okay, let's discuss the origins of men. Quote, At the first rising of the sun, the younger children of Iluvatar awoke. This simple line is how Tolkien describes the awakening of men. Iluvatar is the creator of Middle-earth and all within it, and has devised two races as his children, the elves, or firstborn, and the men, or secondborn. Also from this line, we see that men awoke when the sun first rose into the sky. The sun was created and rose from the land of Valinor, which was far in the west. And since men first awoke far in the east, their eyes were turned towards the western rising sun. So they ever, quote, strayed that way. I noted in episode 9 that the sun had been, quote, set as a sign for the awakening of men. We've touched in previous episodes how the nature of elves and men differs in a few key ways, mortality being one of them, as the elves don't die of old age or disease. These differences are demonstrated in all the different names that the elves give the race of men, and there are a lot of different names. Remember that Tolkien was a philologist, or an expert on the history of languages. So these names were derived from the elvish languages that Tolkien invented. Let me list a few of these names that the elves called men. The Atani, meaning second people. The Hildor, meaning the followers. Apanoar, the afterborn. Angwar, the sickly. Fidifimar, the mortals. Also, the usurpers, the strangers, the inscrutable, the self-cursed, the heavy-handed, the night-fears, and the children of the sun. This list of names reveals to me a bit of arrogance on the side of the elves. Not many of these names are exactly complimentary. Nevertheless, as the joint children of Iluvatar, elves and men often allied with each other, and during the War of the Jewels, or Silmarils, the Noldorene elves wanted all the allies they could find. I want to dig a little deeper on one of these names, the Atani. Another form for this word in a different dialect of Elvish is Adan in the singular and Adain in the plural. We hear these two words pop up in a couple of places. 
One is in the Two Towers Extended Edition movie, when Eowyn has realized how old Aragorn is, and she says, quote, You are one of the Dunedain, blessed with long life. Also, in the Fellowship of the Ring book, when Frodo has reached Rivendell and is talking with Bilbo, Bilbo keeps asking where the Dunedain is to help him finish some poetry. They have this exchange. Frodo asks, And why do you call him Dunedain? The Dunedain, said Bilbo, referring to Aragorn. He is often called that here, but I thought you knew enough Elvish at least to know Dunedain, men of the West, Numenorian. This nickname that Bilbo has given Aragorn means the man of Numenor, and is in reference to Aragorn's heritage. The nickname, the Dunedain, has the word Adan at its root, which came from Atani, one of the names that the elves gave to men in the first age of Middle-earth. You can be the hero of your own Marvel Comics adventure. Marvel Strike Force is an extraordinary mobile game, a haven for comic book enthusiasts and gamers alike. Lead your own fellowship of heroes and villains to battle against the forces of darkness that threaten the very fabric of the universe. From the menacing Doctor Doom to the formidable Apocalypse, every battle is a chance to prove your mettle. And right now, Marvel Strike Force is commemorating its six-year anniversary. That means free rewards await those who heed the call and sign up today. With weekly events and bonuses, this anniversary celebration promises a treasure trove of special rewards. Rally your allies, sharpen your blades, and dive into the action of Marvel Strike Force today. Use code MAXPOOL to unlock free new treasures. That's code MAXPOOL, all one word, on the mobile game Marvel Strike Force. Now, back to wandering. Not much is told us of the earliest days of men. The Valar did not send an emissary to summon them to Valinor as they had with the elves, but Ulmo, that Valar in control of all the Earth's waters, would often send messages in the sounds of water. While these messages stirred their hearts, men, quote, understood not the messages. Before long, men encountered the Dark Elves that faction of elves that never left the land of their awakening to journey to Valinor, and learned much from them, similar to an elder sibling teaching a younger. And men began to wander, quote, west, north, and south, and their joy was the joy of the morning before the dew is dry, when every leaf is green. But years of blissful wandering were not the destiny of man. The lies of Morgoth among the Noldorine elves and the fateful oath of Feanor and his sons were ever at work, and men would also be caught up in the great wars for the Silmarils. Now, a few more details on the nature of men, especially as contrasted with the nature of elves. I especially find this paragraph interesting. Quote, Men were more frail, more easily slain by weapon or mischance, and less easily healed, subject to sickness and many ills, and they grew old and died. What may befall their spirits after death, the elves know not. I think this explains a few of those names that the elves had given to men previously. Also, it's interesting that the elves, for all their lore, did not know what happened to men's spirits after death. Clearly, the spirits of elves who happened to die would go to the halls of Mandos, he being the Valar entrusted with the keeping of the dead. And elves even have the very rare opportunity to be reincarnated, or have their spirits sent back to their bodies. This gift is not given to men, except in one exceptionally rare instance that we'll get to in future episodes, and that is Baron, son of Badahir, who was gifted to return from the dead. One interesting difference between elves and men are the implications that mortality versus immortality have on how time is perceived. Because elves could essentially live forever, their minds tended not to aspire to the future, but rather the past. Thus in time, the elves were ever dwelling on their memories of the past, and often with sadness and regret. Contrast that with men, who, as Tolkien wrote in another source, quote, By an irony of their fate, though their personal expectation of it was brief, men were always thinking of the future more often with hope than dread. 
By the way, this line from Tolkien was captured in a book called The Nature of Middle-Earth by Carl Hostetter. It's a fantastic resource, which I recommend. A link to purchase from Amazon is in the show notes for this episode. I love the hopeful nature of men's minds as they look to the future. Aragorn is often associated with the word hope. If you look carefully in the text and the movies, here's one example. When Aragorn is first brought to Rivendell as a child, Elrond hides Aragorn's true identity and gives him the name Estel, which means hope. It's this hope in a brighter future that I think endears us so much to hobbits, they being of the race of men. Especially if you remember Sam's little speech near the end of the Two Towers movie, when Frodo narrowly escapes the flying Nazgul. Sam says, in part, quote, But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even the darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Frodo responds by desperately asking, What are we holding on to, Sam? And Sam says, with the goodness and hope embodied by hobbits, that there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. And this is what I love about Tolkien's works, the theme of hope, of darkness being a passing thing, of good in this world, and that it's worth fighting for. That theme is foundational and must be taken seriously for anyone who wants to understand the Lord of the Rings. Tolkien was orphaned at a young age, lived through two world wars, and had more than his fair share of sorrows and shadows. Yet his hope ever remained, and hope ever found its way to guide the works of the Lord of the Rings. My hope for you is that in this world of darkness, when the shadows of life overwhelm you, when you narrowly escape the Nazgul, or Spider-Monster, or Betraying Friend, or Balrog, whatever shadow you find in your life, I hope that you can find hope in knowing that the shadow is only a passing thing, that you can find hope in the courage, strength, and optimism of little hobbits, valiant friends, and an orphan who became a soldier, who became a husband, father, professor, philologist, writer, and who also became a friend to us all. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. For feedback on the show, please email me at lordoftheringspodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at beginnersguidelotrpodcast. Until next week, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.